When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. You know, the look it was giving me. Welcome to Bigfoot Hotspot Radio, Sasquatch Chronicles. I'm your host, Wes, along with my brother, Woody, and researcher, author, and friend, William Jeffy. Let's start the show. There, there are many people who know about my experiences when I first got involved in the subject of the Sasquatch back in the early 70s. That was very close to the much more known Puyallup Screamer events. It was just seven miles north of where I lived. And we have a real treat with having uh, Rebecca Butello with us this evening because she is also from Graham, Washington, where I am from, which is about 40 miles northwest as the crow flies from Mount Rainier. Rebecca has probably, in my opinion, the best encounter story uh, of any that I have ever heard out of my 41 years involved in this subject and literally interviewing thousands of people. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many people I've interviewed over the years. But her account is probably the best one. So everyone's going to really enjoy this. So, Rebecca, let's uh, first of all talk a little bit about your background. Now, before you had your first encounter, and she's had several, How I, I guess I should say, you, what had you thought about the subject of Bigfoot or have you even heard of it? up to that point. Oh. Well, I was just a teenager. Um, I, I'd never heard of a Bigfoot. I, I'd never even heard that coined term. My my father was uh, ex-military, and he was pretty strict on us. We weren't allowed to watch too much TV or listen to too much radio. He wanted us in school, you know, doing our homework, um, doing extracurricular activities, or outside. He was really into that, you know, and... Uh, so I wasn't, you know, when other people started talking or things started coming up, it wasn't until after I had my sighting that I started hearing little bits and pieces of things that were happening, you know, farther down toward Mount Rainier, uh, like uh, the town of Eatonville, the town of Roy, Graham, um, later on. Because uh, when I had my encounter, I didn't know what I saw. I mean, I didn't know what was looking at me. And I was convinced that as a teenager, I was going to die that day and that a monster was on the other side of the window, and I didn't know what it was. And and see, that's important for listeners to understand. I've been asked many times, they'd say, well, you know, the first time I found tracks in Graham was in 1972. And they said, and they always tell me, well, 
geez, 1972, the Patterson film had been out for five years at that time, and you didn't had never heard the word Bigfoot. And they don't understand that that area, and you know from growing up there too, very, very rural in those days, late 60s, early 70s. Oh, uh, yeah. Mostly farming, and people just didn't, you know, like you said, you, your, your, your parents were like mine. They insisted that we, we didn't spend a lot of time watching television. We had to pay mm-hmm. attention to, to schoolwork and then work outside on the farm, be outside. Uh, yep. So there were a lot of us who didn't catch up to those terms until quite a few years after they were, you know, in the public domain. Let's uh, now. What year was it that you had this encounter? This was in 1969. It was October. It was October, October 1969. Okay, so you had, and how old were you at that time? I was 14. 14. Okay, yeah. so let's go back to that day in October 1969. Walk us through what happened, what led up to those events, and then um, tell us what your recollections are of that incident. When we first moved there, it was extreme. Just as you said, I mean, it was solid woods. There was a house and then solid woods. And then just, you know, there wasn't very much going on out there. There was a little winky store, you know. It it just, there was hardly anything there. And uh, we ended up uh, sensing all of that and cutting down trees, and it was heavily treed. We, we moved on to a five-acre piece of property, and it was so heavily treed, I couldn't believe it. And we finally got that all fenced, and my dad bought horses because my sister and I wanted horses. And I had just come in. It was October. It had snowed early that year. I mean, you know, we've, we've had a lot of goings-on since we moved on that property in 1962, but I, I, we, didn't, we didn't know what it was. I mean, we went across the street before we got the horses, and, and, and we were, we were going to use rakes and, and hose. There was a this county property directly across the street. We just walked straight across from our mailbox into the ditch and to the property on the other side. And nobody had ever been out there. It was virgin soil. Um, it was county-owned. Nobody was ever out there. And we wanted to build, you know, make trails, you know, because my brothers wanted motorcycles. We wanted horses. And we went out there, and I'm trying to put a setting on here. I know you wanted me to start at the siding, but I, oh, I feel fine. like this. Is, yeah, I feel like this is important. We went out there as a family, trying to just surmise. Now, how could we start building trails out here? Where where should we start digging? Or you know, how much land is actually out here? And we we got out there and found dozens of prints. And I've 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 told people this before, but what I really meant to say is we found dozens of sets of prints that were different sizes, but my mom was asking my dad, you know, what is all this? What's all these prints? And I remember dropping to my knees. I, I went on my knees finally because I thought, what is this? You know, and I put my hand, my hand was like dwarfed into this, this footprint, and I didn't have a tape measure with me. I was a kid, you know. I, I, I just thought, these are huge, and there was a funky, foul, kind of a urine smell and it wasn't real strong like we couldn't breathe it was just kind of this sense that was hanging in the air and I, and we were all really uncomfortable and I, and I remember I was looking at these prints and my my dad finally got mad and he goes somebody's faking it out here they're just trying to scare people come on leave let's go get these kids and come on you know and I just wonder you know it makes me look back and I'm thinking my dad knew more than what he ever let on and he's passed away since but uh yeah so that's kind of what started this thought, what's this, you know, kind of deal. The years went on, and we were would always hear these strange howls at night, and eventually got, you know, the place cut, the trees cut down, and post holes dug, and fence strung, and, you know, barn 
built and all that, kept hearing noises at night, you know, um, breaking branches, stomping around. And my dad always says, oh, it's, it's deer, you know, and but the horses would always run and they'd snort and look toward the woods, you know, just snorting. It was always kind of an uneasy feeling. You always felt like you were being watched, but, you know, when you're a kid, you know, your dad says nothing, you just go, oh, it's nothing, you know, and you kind of like override that that sense right. of telling right. that something's there. And that's kind of the way I lived my life. You know, my dad was really tough on us, and, and like I said, we were raised military, so we were kind of afraid of him. And uh, when he told us to do something, we did it. And a lot of times he didn't give us time to, to sit and wonder and all this goings on and always, you know, stomping around at night and howls at, you know, sunset and not knowing what that was. I'd come in. It was uh, October, like I said. It had been a, we had kind of, got, kind of got early snow that year, just kind of this little dusting blanket of snow. Now, what time of and day was this? Do you remember? I think it was about four, you know, kind of like um, right around four o'clock, clockish, where it was, you know, it was slightly, you know how it gets like it's starting to get dark, but still right. daylight. Right, kind of down, but it's still light. Yeah, you're kind of starting to lose light, but it's still light, and you can see everything around you, but you're losing light, and it's starting right. to get dim. Okay, that's what it looked like. Very rarely that we were ever allowed to watch TV. And um, like I said, I'd just gotten done feeding the horses, and I came in, and I thought, oh, my dad's outside. I'm going to sneak in on a, you know, watch some TV. Well, my mom and my sisters were in the uh, kitchen, and I remember they were talking about a baby shower. And uh, I was the tomboy of the family, so I came in there, and uh, there was a huge picture window um, in the living room. I took this wooden chair, it was a dining room chair, and I tipped it. I was sitting in it, and I tipped it back where I was actually sitting on the window, you know, where your top part of your shoulders were actually leaning on the windows. Right. And I'm watching this TV show, and it hadn't been more than, I wanted to say it hadn't been more than 15 minutes that I was sitting there. And it was a, a funny show, and uh, it was a comedy, and I was laughing, and I turned around, and I, I turned back, you know, and I don't know how to explain this, but my mind just kind of flashed this picture, like, you just saw this, and I just kind of froze, and in my head, I'm thinking, what did I just see? You know, and, and I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, well, you know, anybody in their curiosity, do you you think if you thought you saw something like that, you're going to sit there and keep watching TV? No, you're going to turn around and look. So I slowly turned around because I thought, that's weird. And so I turned around, and I saw right there on the other side of the window, all that was between the window, me, the window, and it, was a little brick planter box on the ground. They built from the ground up for flowers. It was about, the planter box was maybe a foot and a half, maybe a foot and a half from the house to the outside. You know what I mean? That's how wide it was. Right. And that's all, you know, and it was standing maybe, I would say half a foot. I'm going to say half a foot from it, but it was close enough where as it was standing, I couldn't see its feet because that planter box, was kind of covering, you know, from my view. Right. Where I couldn't right. actually see its feet, but I could see down past the cap, you know, down that So way. you were probably anyway. less than three feet physically from it. I mean, it was right there. It was right there. And I I turned around, and I, I looked him right in the eyes. I looked him right in the eyes. And I 
I know that other people have heard of this, but I, I felt like I was um, I was paralyzed. I had gone into shock. And his eyes were red, and he was not looking at me like he was very happy. And I thought, what am I looking at? You know, all I could think of is a monster is on the other side of the window, and he's going to kill me. You know, I thought to myself, I'm going to die today. I'm only a kid, and I'm going to die today. You know, and I couldn't pull my eyes. I couldn't pull that. My my eyes were fixed on him, and I I felt like he was looking down into my soul. Literally, that's what it felt like. I felt like I was being scanned or something. Like he was like, I know you. I was just. It's a very piercing look. It was the most piercing look. I mean, he. You know, I'm telling you, it just to this day. I mean, it will be burned in my brain for the rest of my life. I will never forget that as long as I live. And he was very human looking. There was nothing apish whatsoever about this individual. But he was a kind of a silver gray, and he had a few little sprays of lighter gray, but he had these blackish brown hairs all through him. And it was just an ominous sight to me. I mean, I was paralyzed. I couldn't say help. My sisters were walking around with my mom and jibber-jabbering in the kitchen, and I couldn't even say help. I couldn't speak. I was completely paralyzed with fear, and I was terrified. And, and, but I, w- I decided, you know, I'm there. The only thing that I could move was my eyeballs. <laughs> I literally was frozen in place. And I, and I finally broke my stare from him, and I started looking at his shoulders, kind of analyzing what is this thing I'm looking at. And and I saw his, his I've never seen shoulders so massive in my entire life. My dad was like six one and a half, and he was a burly guy. And I do not believe that I was exaggerating to say that it would take three of my dad, three of my who had broad shoulders, three of him, to make one of these things from end to end. I mean, one of the shoulders of this thing would be the full size of a man. I mean, I just, I, I I was looking at this gigantic monster. And his head was up, you know, almost to the eaves of the house looking down at me. And I, I just, I was totally powerless. I was totally powerless at this thing. I noticed that his arms went down almost to his knees. I noticed that his hands were cupped like, the fingers were turned backwards, you know, kind mm-hmm. of cut backwards. So basically I was looking at his knuckles coming down. And I just, you know, that's kind of what I was looking at. His chest, he just looked like he was in the, he looked like this monster bodybuilder. I mean, he was, he, there was no fat on this individual. He was rock solid. And I, I would long, say that Wes, Wes and Woody will agree with that. Their, uh, their sighting was very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was just thinking the, I was thinking the exact same thing as she was, as she's going through talking about it. What, what did the face look like, Rebecca? I mean, what can you describe a little bit more of the face, and what you yeah. saw in the eyes, the mouth? Okay, um, he he had hair that came down his face. Well, first of all, let me start here. He didn't have one of those high conical heads like people talk about. This one had just a slight conical head. It just went up a little bit rounded. There was no point. There was none of that. You could see that it did go up a little bit, but his face was wide and rounded, very round and very full and thick. 
came down his face, and he had hair growing on his face, too. You know, I've seen probably, I would say the majority of a lot of the pictures or illustrations that I've seen of individuals with no hair on their face. And that's not what I saw at all. I, what I saw was an individual who had hair coming down his face, covering his nose, hair that went over his lips, but I could see the lip line. And his nose looked more human. It wasn't this pushed-in, flat nose. It was more, I mean, I could see a bridge. I could see a mouth that went straight across, slightly curved down. His eyes were red. His eyes were like a, a glowing amber red. Almost, almost looked like it was, I don't know, it was just almost like glowing. I don't know. You know I don't know how to explain that. But his eyes were kind of a, an amber red, and his the pupils were just piercing at me, just piercing. Like, I mean business, and I'm mad at you. You know, what are you doing looking at me? Or I mean, I couldn't help it. You know, I couldn't pull away. I didn't see any ears because the the uh, hair was so long, and it came down, it came down all over his ears and kind of blended in with his shoulders, kind of like what people call now. I hear people describe it as a mane you know, kind of like a mane, but it wasn't that massively thick, but it was there. And he had, um, he had a beard. He had a, you know, this hair on his chin that came down and his chest was so massive. There's like this hair on his chin matched his chest. He didn't have a neck. I mean, you know, he, there was no neck. There was just this massive head on these massive shoulders. His chest this was just, his, his chest was huge. I don't know how to explain to you. It, it, he seemed to have kind of high cheekbones. His whole face was covered in hair, which doesn't seem to be typical of what a lot of people say or show. Well, you know, when I, I saw, and I'm sure it's two of the individuals that were part of that group, and I, you know, the state trooper that I knew, Mark Pittinger, he saw that very same one that you saw walk in front of his car. What? Just what south was of that? Puyallup. Was this in the same area? What's that? Was this in the same area? The same area, yeah. This is, you know, you know, you know about the Puyallup Screamer event. Oh yes, I do. I, I, lear- I didn't learn about, I didn't learn about the Puyallup Screamer until like 2006 or something. I didn't even hear of that either because I kind of, when I had my experiences, these, the first two that I saw, I took flight. I'd quit riding my horses in the woods. I wouldn't go out and fish. I wouldn't swim out anywhere that looked like there's woods around me. I was terrified. I, it literally took me 15 years to get over well, that, to be able to face my fears and then be able to turn around and try to figure out, you know, and, and go headlong into it and face it. And try I, to find I know out listening to your account, you know, kind of makes the hair in the back of my neck go up because, you know, I had my encounter really not very far from where you live. We only live a couple miles apart. With the same thing, you know, the the two individuals that I confronted in 1974, and, and it was around October also, and just about that same time of day, coincidentally, you know, they gave me the same piercing look that kind of bore right through you, and uh, and the same wow. description. They were just they were massive, both of them. Uh, you know, people have never seen one has really no concept of what we're talking <laughs> about when they talk about massive. It's like a it's like a piece of a redwood tree moving. That's what it looked like. I've never seen to my, I mean, for me to be able, my, my brain to be able to process seeing something that I didn't even know existed 
You have no reference for it. And the fact that it was so massive, and the looking at me angry, I really believed I was going to die. All it had to do was lift up his arm, break the glass, and take my head off. I mean, literally, I was right there. And I, I was thankful I had my rifle, one of my rifles in my hands because had I not, I don't know what guy. I felt the same way. I felt like you know they would have taken my head off if they if they so, had if they'd wanted to. They certainly could have. Did you did you can I ask you a question? Did sure. you see did you the one that you saw that was uh, pretty much sounds like possibly the one that I encountered was the other one the same gray color? Actually, the two I saw were very dark brown or black. Oh, okay, I got that. I, I think they, I, I believe they were saying, because see, there were three of them in that area. In in 72, uh-huh. we found tracks of three individuals, one really big one, and the other two were smaller. Pittinger, the state trooper, he saw the gray one that you saw. It walked right in front of his state patrol car. Uh, oh, he was my writing out reports one evening and walked then. right in front of his lights. <laughs> oh, my God. And he also God. found the tracks of all three of them. So those three came through that area every year. For many years, I I had reason to believe because of so many incidences that happened on that property that they hung out in that Fort Lewis reservation out there, and which was just like a block from our house. Yeah, right. And and you could go through, you could go across the street. We could ride, I could ride my horse or a motorcycle across the street into the trails on the county uh, there. And just go to the corner and go across the street and go riding on the reservation. And all sorts of stuff happened out there, too. I saw all sorts of structures, heard branches breaking. So now let's, let's go back a little bit before we go beyond that. Um, okay. So now you're, you're standing there sizing this thing up. What happened next? He's just standing there staring at me. And uh, I, I noticed because, you know, it's cold outside. And his chest is just heaving up and down, and the steam is just coming out of his nose, you know. And he's just staring at me, and this this steam. So I'm thinking, was he running, you know? Did he run across the street and get a look at me? Or, you know, I just had the feeling he had been running. I I, I sat there, and I, I really cannot tell you the time frame of how long this went on, but it felt like forever. It felt like forever. I mean, I was just sitting there and totally like, somebody, please help me before this thing kills me. And then I started talking to myself, and I started saying, okay, turn around. I was in gymnastics at the time, and I thought, just turn around and jump out of the chair. Just turn around. I just kept telling myself, turn around and jump out of the chair. You know, that was the only way I thought I was going to survive this. I managed to break my stare with this thing. I'd been staring at his body, staring at his arms. And at that point in time, I thought, I'm going to turn around, and I'm somehow, it's it, it, it hard to explain, because my body, I I couldn't get my body to move. I couldn't move, you know? I was that terrified. I finally got a hold of myself, and I, I was managed to pull my, turn my head back toward the TV, which is in the inside of the house, away from it, which was behind me, and I was getting ready to jump, and I was just sitting there thinking, jump, and I was thinking, I can't. I I just couldn't move. Well, the next thing I hear behind me is a car screeching to a halt. I mean, just screeching. And and then it sits there momentarily pauses and then just burning rubber and it takes off. And at that point in time, something happened with me with that sound. And I was able to jump out of the chair 
And I literally was shaking and trembling, and I was walking toward the kitchen, and my mom runs around to say something to me. She was like, Becky, 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 what's the matter with Becky? Why are you? I was white as a sheet. She told me I was literally every ounce of color had drained out of my face, and she knew that something had happened. Well, when I, I finally, when the shock started going away, I started to bawl. That's all I could do. I just was compulsively crying. And once I recovered from that, I was trying to tell him that something was out there, and I was trying to tell him what I saw. And my mom started heading to the door, and I said, "Don't go out there! Don't go out there!" And 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 she hadn't seen it, and she didn't know what I was talking about. But she did go out there, and she found out. She said that something had been there because there was a big muddy, messed up place in front of the window. But I was begging her, "Please come back in! Please come back in! Here, I have to feed the horses." My dad, you know, was very strict. I had to have the horses fed at 6 a.m. in the morning and 6 a.m. at night. And if my mom reported to my dad that I was one minute late and I did that three times, he's going to sell my horses. So I had to get a hold of myself somehow because I love those horses so much that I made myself go out in the dark and I made myself come back. And I just literally, it was the most terrifying, traumatizing thing ever. And then when finally, you know, um, about it had been about six weeks had passed and I was kind of calming down. I was like, Somehow or another, I kept thinking that was the only one. I don't know, you know, I, I didn't know what it was. Did you worry about your horses at all during that time? Did I you was, think the thing was... I was worried, yeah, yeah, I was worried sick. I was trying to tell my mom, it's going to get my horses, it's going to get the horses, it's going to get... Maybe you saw something, maybe you saw, you know what my mom told me. Uh, we were raised in church all our life, and my mom tried to keep telling me that it was a demon. <laughs> I said, Mom, I said it was an animal. I said it was something big. And I said, and it, and it was like a man, but it was cute. And she was like, she goes, I, I think it was a demon. And I'm like, Mom, you're not listening to me, you know. It's going to get the horses. Yeah, I used to sit and just cry and cry and cry, you know. And I used to sit and pray and ask God to protect them and all this stuff because I was worried sick about the horses. Becky, when you, re- when you were referring to this thing as your mom, what did you refer it to? Did you refer it to as an ape, a person, a, a monster? Or how did you how did you explain it? I said it was her? a monster. I said it was a monster with hair on it. And it had red eyes because I didn't know what it was. Yeah, that was in those times, you know, we didn't really have a lot of uh, terminology like people do today. No, they, I had never even heard that. that, that no, we like, hadn't either. I didn't even know what it I thought, Bigfoot, what's that? You know, when I finally, somebody, I heard that on TV, I thought, Bigfoot, because there was an incident, there was an incident not too long after that that I actually got to hear on TV where somebody's calf or a, a, a cow or a steer or something, and its neck had been broken or had been thrown over a fence, or there was something having to do with it being tossed halfway over a fence and it was killed, it had been killed, and then people were starting to report these sightings. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, that's those things, that's those things. And and so I went to my school library. I thought, i got to find out what this is. What was it that I saw? And I found this dumb little beat-up paperback book, and it showed, um, uh, it said, The Abominable Snowman. And it had a picture of this grayish-white creature with its arms out, and it's looking all menacing, and, and it's and from the Himalayas. And I was so ignorant of what I saw that I still can remember what I said. I was thinking, what is that thing doing down here in my backyard? (laughs) 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 You know, I couldn't equate, I I couldn't figure this out. And then when I started hearing stories 
like people here and there starting to pop up with news stories here and there, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, something's going on. And then about six weeks later, after I saw this big guy, I was sitting on the floor in a different room on a Saturday morning. It was sunny early in the morning. I got my chores done. I fed the horses, and I was I was playing paper dolls with my sister, Roxanne. And her back, and this was the kind of house where the bedrooms had huge, like two windows, big steel windows on both sides of this room. And I'm sitting on the floor, Indian style. She's sitting here with her back to the window. I'm sitting there on the floor facing the window, and we're bickering over these stupid little paper doll clothes, which one we wanted. And I feel this vibration, and I looked up, and here just nonchalantly, casually, goes right by the window, just kind of this jog, was a littler one, the same color. And I just sit there with my mouth open. And my sister, Roxanne, looks up at me and she said, what? And I just looked at her and I go, never mind, nothing. She goes, what? And I go, nothing, let's just play. And I thought, I, I can't believe, in my head, I'm thinking, I can't believe this just happened. I, my mom and dad will never believe me. And I never told them about that for years. And it wasn't until years later that my mom told me that she would see faces in the woods, in the, in the trees, near where the horses were. She... You know, she, they knew stuff. There were things that had happened. Yeah, we had it, we had an incident one time where something did approach the house at night and it was a very foul stench. Very foul. We could barely breathe. Uh, my dad, um, shoved all his kids up in the inside wall of the house and he, and he pulled his shotgun out and he opened up the window and he was standing there with his, with his shotgun facing the horses. And I'm crying and screaming, please, you're going to kill the horses. You're going to kill the horses. <laughs> And, and and my mom's begging my dad, you know, and I'm going to shoot this thing. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to shoot it, you know. And I'm like, no, you're going to shoot the horses. You're going to shoot the horses. I mean, we had so many things that happened on that property. Why do you think they were interested in the property? Why do you think that they were seemed to be all over this property? I think that they were hanging out across the street in that county property. That's why there were dozens of prints. That's why there were tons of stuff out there. Um, in the reservation, which was a block away, that Fort Lewis reservation, there, there is a researcher I know who knows someone who is a military personnel who is active duty and who does maneuvers with his troops or whatever out in that reservation and has said to them, we run into them nightly. We're not supposed to speak of it, but we run into them every day that, that we have people out there. They throw rocks at our tanks, at our jeeps, or you know whatever we were in out there. They see them all the time out there in that Fort Lewis reservation. So I think that they've been out there. I think they've always been out there. And we just, my dad bought that property, and um, the owners. I remember that the owners were real anxious to sell. I remember my mom and my dad were talking about, it, and I was listening to this conversation. They wanted to get out of there fast. And they dropped the price down on that house significantly to get out of there. Well, now, of course. That's true about the Fort Lewis area because I was a sergeant there in 1980, and uh, I had a 15-man squad with the 5th Air Cab, and we ran into one out there one night. Yeah, they're out there because I used to ride ride my horse, and then my dad bought me a Tennessee walker, and I was like, I'd go out there all the time alone. And he was a real laid-back horse, real quiet horse. But um, branches would snap. 
things would go flying through the air, and he'd, like, jump. You know, he kind of, like, jumped, and then he would just keep plodding along, and I was like, hmm, what was that? I wonder what made that noise. I mean, this is this is me not knowing anything. You know, this is my, I was like, okay, well, that was kind of weird. Okay, well, we'll just kind of head back home now. But I used to go out there for miles. You know, I used to go out there. My horse was so quiet that I could take a saddle and a bridle out. I could drive, ride him out 10 miles out there, take a saddle and bridle, and just let him eat grass and just hang out, take lunch, and then saddle him back up and bridle him out and, and, and take him home. Boy, I'm wondering now, you know, what would have happened if he would have run off and I would have been out there 10 miles out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> you know? Would have <laughs> been a long, I, scary walk home. I mean, how dumb can you get, you know? I, mean, I didn't know, though. I shouldn't say that about myself because... I just when you're a kid, know. you don't think about those things, you know. Yeah, and but after I saw that juvenile, you know, go by, and I, it was a husky little guy. They're not little. No, and he. But the thing of it is, is that he was right by the window when he went by, and I thought, what is going on here? It, all the wind lights were on. It knew I was there. It knew my sister was there. He didn't even care. And I thought, wow, I can't believe this is going on. Then there was a, we had another incident. You know, we, my brothers decided to go camping one summer across the street, and they came back and accused my dad of scaring the living daylights out of them all night long, and, and my dad didn't go out there, and they were like, yeah, we know that was you out there stomping around and hitting the tent and, and, and making noises, and we know that was you, you know, and it wasn't them. And I tried to say, it was, it was that thing, shut up, Becky, you're scaring the kids, you know, this kind of deal. I was always told to shut my mouth. I kept saying, that thing is out there. Did your did your father ever speak, or did he ever have anything to say after your encounters? Did you have did you ever speak to anybody about him, or what did you have to say about it after all this happened? After all these happenings, he my dad my dad would never talk to his kids about it. He would never speak of it. We weren't allowed to talk. We were in fact, my mom made it sound like if I continued talking about it, I was going to get whipped, or I was going to get disciplined, you know, really severely for talking about it, but there was an incident I found out from my mom that I never even knew about. Uh, down toward Meridian on 224, someone had purchased a home or they bought some property and they had cleared out some trees and they built a house on this property. Well, it wasn't too far from where we live, you know. My mom and dad went over there because they were invited to come see the new house. Well, the dad was going to work and mom and this, teenage boy was there, and I guess as soon as they got into the house, they started hearing these screams. And immediately, my mom said immediately, it's like they just went into gear. It's like, hurry up, get the blinds shut, shut the windows, you know, all this stuff. And the screams kept getting louder and louder and louder. So finally, the screams were at the house. And I guess the son got so upset, he went to the closet, he grabbed his dad's shotgun. And he started out the door, and my dad grabbed him. My dad grabbed him. And my mom said he looked him in the face and said, son, you don't want to go out there. And that was a real telling thing. When my mom told me that, I thought, you know, I know my dad knew things. But he just was that kind where he kept it to himself. He didn't, he wasn't going to speak it. He wasn't going to say it. What about your sisters, Becky? Did you have one sister or was it two sisters? Or? Uh, well, my sister, my older sister rode her half Arab one time out in the, in the reservation. And that was the last time that she went out there alone because she, my dad had bought this half Arab for her, for, and she uh, had a hackamore. For those of you who are horse people who know what a hackamore is, well, anyway, she gets out there, and I guess a, a, a hairy arm came out of the bush at her. The horse bolted, 
and she was able to stay on, and she couldn't stop the horse. The horse ran at a dead run all the way home, ripped across the street. They could get killed, you know, hit by a car, and took her all the way home, and she had a hard time. That horse was terrified. So she had that. My sister had that incident. Now, my younger sister uh, had an incident where we, my dad had allowed us one summer to spend the, a summer evening in the neighbor's camping trailer that was in their backyard. Okay, next to our backyard. And my brothers were allowed on the other side of the house to um, stay over there because he's real strict. We never got a chance to do things very often. Well, I thought to myself, I'm going to stay over here and I'm sneaking out because that thing is probably, this is what I was telling myself, there's only one or two of them. They're probably off somewhere else, you know. I'm going to sneak out and go up to, up through the trees and I'm going to, you know, shoot the breeze with my brothers and hang out with them, you know. And that was my, my thing, you know, because I never got out, and I was a little bit on the rebellious side, and, and I didn't like my dad being so strict, so, huh, that was my idea. So I, I sneak out of this camping trailer, and my sister with the neighbor girl was in this camping trailer sleeping. I left them at midnight, went, you know, up through the woods and up there, and we're sitting up there talking and everything, and finally around, I guess it was around 1.30, they told me to get lost, go home. And I'm like, yeah, well, I... Yeah, I will, but you need to walk me through the woods, you know, to get me home. We're not walking you through the woods. Forget it. Get lost. You know, I'm like, what? And I'm like, no, you need to walk me through the woods, okay, because that thing might be out there. There ain't no thing out there. Get lost, you know. They literally were not going to walk me through there, and they didn't. I had to walk myself through there. Well, I got stalked. I literally got stalked. And this kind of also is a testament to the fact that they could have hurt me. They could have drugged me away, and nobody would have ever found me. And they didn't take me. You know, so that, that talks about some of this. It's a little bit telling, I guess, about some of their behavior and nature, but characteristics. But yeah, I would take a step, and it would take a step, and then I'd take a couple of steps, and then I'd hear the cracking behind me. And I was like, oh, my God, how did I do this to myself? I'm like, God, please help me. I'm like, oh, I swear I'll never do it again. I'm, I don't want to die this way. You know, that was really what I thought. I thought, what am I doing out here anyway? I knew when I saw that thing it could be out there. But I thought it was long gone somewhere else, you know. I just kept talking to myself, and so I, I, I kept walking because I knew not to run. And I and I went through that little picket fence where the hole was, and, and I jumped in that trailer, and I pushed the lock button, and it started pushing the trailer, rocking it back and forth, that camping trailer. And it was throwing us from side to side. And my sister, of course, and this Renee neighbor was screaming. They were screaming, and I was screaming, and... It terrified them so badly. I, it was funny because uh, they put the neighbors put the house up for sale, and they moved out of there shortly after that. My sister was one of those kinds. She's very private, and she just, it's like she went shut mouth. Like she didn't want to talk to nobody. She didn't want to talk about it to this day. She literally just, you, you cannot get it. But she was absolutely, both of them, terrified, and so was I. And I thought to myself, this is my fault. This whole thing is my fault because I had to go and sneak out, you know, and then it followed me back. Yeah, we we all had incidences. This thing, it stalks you through the woods. I realize that if it wanted to get you, it could have gotten you. But right. don't you think it's pretty aggressive behavior to once you get in the trailer, it starts rocking the trailer? I mean, it's throwing you from side to side in those trailers, yes. in, in the yes, trailer you were in. Yes, I did. I did. Of course I did. And at, at one point in point, I thought that trailer was going to tip over. I mean, I just, you know, I thought, what is it doing this to me? You know, I thought, well, it's trying to get in. I, I thought, was it trying to get in? Or, 
you know, was it just trying to terrify me or was it just messing with me or, you know, are they just, was it a poster thing or what was that, you know? What do you think it, what do you think that its intent was looking back now, back at that time? What do you think its I intention think was? There's a couple of different thoughts that I have about this. I think it possibly could have been irritated. I got away from it, or that it was going to, it wanted to follow me further or whatever. And I got away from it. I got in somewhere. And so it was just going to push it over, try to get in. The other thought is that it's being a prankster. Thought it was pretty funny hearing all of us in there screaming and yelling. So the, you know, I I just kind of leave it at that because it, I'm still scratching my head over that because I'm thinking if it really wanted to get in, that was a little camping trailer. It could have busted the windows and put an arm through. I mean, did it really want to get in? They they have kind of funny behavior sometimes, and something yeah. that's a, a common theme with uh, things that I've talked with people about, you know, their experiences like that being followed uh, and such, is they seem to take a little bit of time to work up the courage. It's not, I mean, they they certainly have the ability to, if they want to get you, they can get you. It, it, it seems to be a consistent behavior that it kind of takes them almost, um, it almost appears as if they're working up their nerve to do it. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think that they have very human characteristics. I think that they're highly intelligent. I think that they're highly involved, evolved. And I don't, um, at this point in time, with with the other sightings that I've had and hearing a lot of other, you know, through the years, experiences and things of other people, that they have very human thoughts. Well, there's some similarities. But then, you know, among other um, primate species, there there's some similar things also. So it's not unrealistic yeah. to think that. Just that the ones that I have seen didn't look ape at all. No, no, I'm not saying ape, but they're they're still in the primates. Oh right, I know that's kind of a that that right there is just kind of uh, and everybody has their opinion. Everybody's formed their opinion. It's what you know. I, I was on the Gigantopithecus thing there for a while because it made sense. I thought, yeah, you know, it could be this, but I'm still on that journey. You know, I'm still on that journey, I and mean, I've had what I call raw experiences, you know, I, I, I have not been one of these people who, except for one property that I was on, where I, where I really was on the verge of being able to possibly interact with these guys, and then I had to move. But there are people out there who get language, like Ron Moorhead's recordings. That just blows my mind. When I hear a lot of this stuff, it really sets me back. I'm like, what 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 is it more? What are we missing here? You know, it, or I have to... I wonder, I think at times that they were trying all this time to interact with me, and I, my fear had overtaken me, and I just couldn't allow myself. I just wanted to get away, you know. I <clears throat> I didn't want to be hurt. I didn't want to be harmed. It scared the, the heebie-jeebie out of me, you know. One of the issues that's, that I'm working on is the fact that I, I think there are more than one species out there. Everything kind of gets thrown under the, the blanket term Bigfoot, and, mm-hmm. and there are at least two, maybe three different types out there. Some of the behaviors get mixed and all lumped under the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's very possible. I think that you very well may I've thought about this myself and um, there are others that I've talked to over the years that feel the same thing. Because there's some very clear differences between some of the encounters, you know, descript, physical descriptions, behaviors, the, the thing mm-hmm. with language. You know, the true Sasquatch doesn't really have that capability, but there's another species, another type that does. So mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things that point to there being uh, multiple species. 
Uh, and there's certainly room in the fossil record for those kinds of uh, possibilities, too. The root cause of a lot of the uh, issues that people have with each other, you know, in the Bigfoot community, a lot of the arguments, you know, they're not realizing that, hey, you know, there's there's more than one thing. You know, there's some differences here that fall mm-hmm. into different categories. I'm uh, a friends with a, a, a researcher who uh, writes books. He's somewhat of a mountain man, and uh, he says the same thing. He lives in Montana, and he's been all over. He's been in caves. He's, you know, spent, you know, his life doing this, and he says exactly what you're saying. He said that he knows he's seen too much, and he, he feels that there's four different kinds. That's what yeah. he says. And, and I know a couple of the researchers in different subjects that, you know, make that same contention, and you know, I, I think I think there's something to it. I do too. I think that's very possible. Becky, going back to the trailer thing, uh, when it was rocking uh-huh. the trailer, did you? What was going through your mind? Did you feel like if it was going to get in the trailer, did you feel like your life yeah. was well, in yeah, danger? Did you? Well, be- yes, I, I, I. Of course, I was because when I, I had no more than push the lock button down, so I never made it over where you know in a camping trailer, you know, you move away from the door, you take a right, and you go to the, you know, table in the sink, and you've got the little table that folds down to the bed. I never made it that far. I'm still in the little hallway. I'm right in front of that door. You know, and it starts immediately pushing, rocking it back and forth, and I'm thrown down on the floor. I can't go anywhere, and I'm, I keep getting thrown back and forth toward this door, and I'm scared spitless. How big was the trailer? Because we're talking, you're saying that's rocking a trailer, and I'm thinking right. something that's probably 12, 14 feet. Is it something that's bigger than this? I'm just kind of curious on the strength that this a, uh, creature had. Yeah, it was a little bit bigger than 12 or 14 feet. It was maybe about 17 feet long, 17 feet somewhere in there. So we're talking something that could possibly weigh about 2,000 pounds, and it's shaking it like it's absolutely nothing. Is, is yeah, what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I I believe you. I'm just I'm just in awe thinking about it, thinking how crazy. And they it is. they moved that the neighbors put the house up for sale and and they got the house sold and they moved out there not too long after that. I was corresponding with a uh, an individual I thought was just an artist, and I've come to find out he was a tribal elder and a chief, and and he oh. explained to me that. Uh, off, with Indians, most people don't understand that, and, and this subject specifically, that it's it's there's nothing as a blanket term or or a reference. It really depends on not just the tribal's tribe's experience, but a band, uh, a family, or even an individual's experience with these things on uh-huh. on uh, what their interpretations are. So you kind of really have to you have to pick their brains a little bit. You know, so maybe, you know, one group's experience was, you know, fairly run-of-the-mill like that. You know, they talk about like a neighbor's dog, whereas, let's say, like, um, you know, in Hoquiam, uh, you know, the Quinault Indians up in that area, they have uh-huh. five different names for them, and they all refer to them as cannibals. You know, they were eating them. So, yeah. obviously, their experience that. was not a good one. Yeah, I've heard of this. I've heard of this. I've I've heard... So I have to concede on that. You're right. You're absolutely right because there are a lot of stories from different tribes in different areas that do speak of them as cannibals and have stories about them stealing the children or the women. Um, yeah, so I think it goes back to what you were saying. You know, it depends on, you know, with all the individual in, in West, too, the individual um, you know, personality traits. You know, it could be even how well they're fed at any particular day, if they're sick. Yeah. 
their age, all that stuff kind of, just like with people, it comes into play, not just people, but other animals as well. Uh, you no, know, I it agree. It depends on individuals and all that and, and their physical condition and mental condition. Right. I, I agree. I think that they're all, all can be different with different personalities. I think that there are clans that have different behavioral patterns. I think there's some that are aggressive and other clans that are not so aggressive, more, um, yeah, Wesson, what do you can tell you about aggressive? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. We we can tell you about the aggressive kind. I had a quick question. Glad I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't fun. Uh, my question to you is uh so I know you, you think of them as people, which I told you earlier we wouldn't beat you up for. Uh Woody huh? might. I I won't. But um <laughs> uh Come on, so I wouldn't do that. <laughs> what what <laughs> Possibility. I think it's a, it's a very possibility <laughs> that they have humans, that they have human DNA in them. Uh, well, not that they be- are all human. Um, I think that something could have mixed back in, you know, with the Neanderthals. I could come up with, you know, several different theories. I think there's so much still that we don't know, so it's really hard to just say, you know, I've never had well, one come up to say, hey, I'm human. You know, yeah, so I yeah, can't really no, no. say that, can I? And there's not, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just curious how you got from Gigantopithecus to hum, or how you feel like they're more towards more human. What, why do you feel that way? Is there something in particular that made you feel that way? I'm always curious when people when I hear people say that. I always want to find out why they feel that way. Why they feel it's not an animal. Why they feel it's not more of along the lines of like a, you know, ape or orangutan or Something like that. that. I'm just kind of curious. Okay. Well, well, what really influenced me to begin to at least be open to changing my mind a little bit on the Gigantopithecus um, theory is when I started listening to Ron Moorhead's um, recordings and when Scott Nelson came into the picture and I began to hear some of the sessions of them breaking this down to language and it just, it really blew me away. And I'm like, if they're capable of making sounds language or uh, um, understanding human language and maybe trying to mimic it, what is there about these individuals that we still don't yet know? Are are they possibly mixed with human DNA? Do they have the ability to interact and be somewhat human? The the first one that I saw, the one I was explaining or telling everybody about this, this face-to-face encounter, this one, this one looked, this one didn't even have a heavy brow ridge. It had a medium brow ridge. But as I looked at him, and there was nothing, nothing in the face of this individual that looked even remotely close to anything primate. And I can't explain that. He looked animal, like he was looking me in the eye. But he looked human too. So, are you saying? So, you're saying that the the monster that you were looking at it actually had more the human characteristics outweighed primate characteristics. Exactly. I guess that's what you're, that's what exactly you're what I'm saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. That's what I was kind of wondering when you were telling about your, you know, that encounter, uh, your face-to-face encounter, and you said that you know it had hair on the face. Well, we have mm-hmm. there's a lot of humans, a lot of males that have have beards. And then you said right. that it, it looked more human, and I was kind of I was kind of curious, and you know, kind of along the same questions of what Wes was asking, is what uh-huh. were the human? I guess what I guess what I'm trying to say, what were some of the human characteristics 
of the face, and you kind of already answered that, I guess, uh-huh. you know, about the Brow Ridge and whatnot. What was going through your mind, other than it being a monster? Did, were you like, this is this is like some superhuman thing? Did you really, I mean, what were you thinking? I was paralyzed. I, I, I literally was, it's almost like my mind went into a frozen lockdown mode, and, I, I, and I'm looking at this thing, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, what are you, you know, what, what are you? And now, was there I any noises? Know. Did it did it did it have any no, vocalizations no, or anything? Was it, at me? No, he was just breathing, heaving up and down. Um, the steam was coming out of his nose, hitting the air because it was cold. And and he he didn't he didn't bare his teeth at me. He didn't clench his fist. He just stood there, real quiet, and just stood there, slightly moving, just slightly slightly moving from side to side, just barely moving, and just kind of was in this stance, making like making his presence known. I don't know if I turned around, caught him by surprise. Maybe I wasn't supposed to see him. Maybe he's just going to run by. I don't know. But he was standing there like, you know, what are you looking at me? You know, why are you looking at me? And I was like, what are you? You know, that's, it's just kind of like, what am I looking at? It's a monster. I don't know how else to explain that to you. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. What other... Um... Besides your face-to-face encounter and then the ones, the one in the trailer, what is probably, what would you say is the most craziest thing that you've ever seen as far as all your encounters? Would it be your face-to-face? Would it be the trailer one? Would it be something else? The, well, the face-to-face one was just the most... Um, that's, kind of hard, that's kind of hard to beat, right? <laughs> the most profound, the most significant, the most traumatizing thing that I could have ever... I just can't even begin. And and then I all these years later, all these many, many, many years later, still, I have a hard time hearing people who had, you know, an encounter like this. And I'm like, how is it that I, I was just 14 years old in this thing. Have you been back to that property since since then? Well, my I mean, mother were, still lives there. My mother oh, she still does lives still on live that there. property. Is there still th- is there still things happening? Is there still things going on there? There is in that area. Oh, she, she had yeah. a dog. She had a dog. Uh, the dog has passed away now. Um, but there were things that I believe my dog went, her dog went out there one night and kept barking and kept barking. There were times that she told me that he would just go out in the middle of the night and just start barking at the woods, barking, barking, barking. And one night he went out, she went out and came back with an eye out, whimpering, and and an eye had this this dog's eye had been put out, and she had to take him to the emergency vet to be treated. So. We don't know at this point. I don't know if a raccoon could do something like that. I'm, I'm not sure. In that area, about a year ago or less, I have to be careful of my wording because I, I promised to uh, protect the identity of this person because uh-huh. of his um, professional standing. Just wanted to sort of get the incident off his chest, but in that very area near where uh, your mom lives, he and another gentleman went out there to, it was involving a sale in that area of timber, and uh-huh. they encountered one. Yeah, so they so they are still in that area occasionally. Well, I I do believe that, and I'm going to tell you, I had a girlfriend, a happy girlfriend, whose daughter. Um, it was about four years ago. I want to say four years ago. She ran away from home. She had a car, but they they got in an argument, and she ran away from home. Well, she ended up driving down that same road, uh, right out there by the thrift area. Okay, park her car in some driveway, some dirt driveway someplace there, and she was sleeping in her car, trying to stay away from her mom. 
Well, she had an experience where one night she was hearing these noises and she raced up over the dashboard to look, to look, and she saw these sets of eyes squatting down like you, she could see a, these silhouettes. Like she said, they were standing up and then they'd squat down, and then they'd stand up and they'd squat down, and there was these dogs that were barking um, off to her right. I think there was a house she said where there was these dogs going nuts and they broke out of the fence. Well, these things take off. The dogs take off after them. And she said it really disturbed her because she couldn't figure out what that was. It was looking at her through these trees, squatting down and standing up. She said a week later, she she went back there and, and was trying to stay there because she didn't know how to stay away from her mom. Neighbors were walking around asking her. They, they came up and asked her if she'd seen these dogs. And she said, well, she saw them about, you know, a while back. And I guess it had been like two weeks and the dogs never came back. I mean... The dogs literally never came back. They never. You know, it's them interesting again. that thrift area specifically. And of course, you know, thrift is just a little intersection, uh, and there mm-hmm. used to be just a little store there. In 1981, one of my younger sisters, she, in fact, the one who used to make fun of me the most for, you know, when when we found tracks the first time, and I, I wouldn't even tell them, you know, because they made fun of us so bad when I actually encountered <laughs> those two. She was driving home one evening and was going through that intersection. And there was a Sasquatch in the light. You know, there's a, a street light there standing uh-huh. right next to the side of the road, and it was kind of jumping up and down a little bit like it was agitated. Uh-huh. And she drove within like two feet of the thing. And then, uh, and she didn't tell me for years. I, I went up to visit her one time, and my brother-in-law went to another room for something, and she says, you, you, can't, you can't tell Bill. i, I got to tell you this. So she tells me the story, and I said, well, you know, I, I could have said, well, yeah, you know, see, I told you so, but... Uh, you know, she was pretty shook up over it, and, and it just, you know, scared the hell out of her. Yeah, that, I believe that, and I think that, yeah, because I've heard other stories. My mom told me other stories about neighbors, a few friends that she'd made along that, in that area who had called her from time to time and reported, you know, told her about strange incidences. Uh, and, you know, people don't understand. Nobody talked about it in those days because there were a lot of incidents in that area. I can tell you one. I can tell you a funny one real quick. Um, my mom went to uh, down the road on that same area that you're talking about to a lady's house, and there's a bunch of ladies there, and uh, she was having a, a Tupperware party. <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> back in the day, having a Tupperware party. That's well, right. Yeah, so there, there was this funky foul smell, you know, and uh, this, this they were in the living room, and um, I guess I kept, this lady kept hearing some noises or everybody in, there, in, in the living room, you know, who were looking at the Tupperware, kept hearing this noise and smelling this smell, and the lady jumps up. Okay, this is interesting. My mom says the lady jumps up, just clumpy as heck. Oh, excuse me, I'll be right back. You know, kind of like that, just matter-of-factly. Mm-hmm. Walks over to the to kitchen, slams, the, slams the, the kitchen window, and my mom went in there and goes, what, is everything all right with her? And she goes, oh, it's that thing. She goes, oh, he shows up over here looking through my window, and she goes, I'm tired oh, of it. Oh, good Lord. You know, and I'm like, what? <laughs> And I said, Mom, you know what that was? And she goes, I know, but she acted like she, she was more mad at it than she was scared. And I'm like, I can't believe it. And this is on <laughs> She's one Jesus. of those old grumpy farm ladies, you know? She's one yeah. tough cookie. <laughs> I, bet she, I bet she could work a shotgun. <laughs> She'd be out chasing yeah. it with a stick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're going to tell me you actually grabbed the broom and chased it down? <laughs> I, I, I would have... I would have liked to have her in the car when I had my encounter with the Woody. Yeah. yeah. We need to take her. 
we need to take her out with us. Like, oh, that's me? hilarious. She was like, sick and tired of that thing showing up and looking at us through the kitchen. So she always shows up. You know, I'm like, what? I would be terrified. I'd be like, you know, and, and she did not that way at all. She acted more mad and grumpy and cranky over the whole deal. What are some of the things that you're doing now? I mean, are you still, uh, I can't imagine that you're not interested in the topic. What are things that you're doing now and how has your opinion changed of them? Well, I, I, that's why I said I'm still on this journey. I'm, I'm still on this journey, learning journey. I'm, I'm very humble. I, I don't think that I'm anything special. I guess I have had some pretty phenomenal experiences. I, I don't have my own page. I don't, you know, get videos and post them and try to get all this attention because I'm not interested in that. I'm, I'm more of a background kind of person, but, I I took a, uh, you know <clears throat> I've taken about three years off here and there because I blew two discs in my back I had to have surgery and then I just had another surgery um, October eighth but in between there I found an area in Puyallup <clears throat> not going to name the area but uh, there's a few researchers who very well known and one from well, the well don't then, don't name it but go ahead and give what's the GPS of it I'm, I'm just joking <laughs> you want the GPS of it <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Somewhere in the vicinity of South Hill Piala. That's all I'm going to say. Nice. I'm just playing with you. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm telling you. But um, uh, I started getting some interaction out there, and I didn't realize that. I, I found this one area. I kept feeling like I wanted to go in there and wanted to go in there and again. And I thought, you know what it is about this place. So I went in there, and um, I spent the last two and a half years going in there, and I found this one stump, and I thought, you know, I... I don't know why I'm getting these strange bird calls. Um, I, I found uh, I would go in there and find um, – I would go down a trail, and I would turn around to come back, and I would find uh, – I found a bird that had, had its head pulled off and had been put set right in the trail that I had just gone down, and it wasn't there before. And uh, then I found a rock on a stump. I'd gone farther into the woods. I was tracing around looking, and I came back, and there's this rock sitting on the stump. And I thought, huh. And I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something. I'm going to start doing what some of these other people are doing, and I'm going to start setting up a gifting area. And so, you know, what I've been doing is, you know, setting up some gifts here and there, some apples, peanut butter sandwiches, whatever have you. I even put a sleigh bell out there. Well, all of a sudden, uh, things started happening uh, summer before last, and I was given just an excellent, um, a beautiful rock stack that was left for me on this stump, and I was blown away when I found it. And the, and the, and the rock stack, the top rock was set. I don't know how that was set like that. I, I have a picture of it, and for those who, you know, want to friend me on Facebook, you can go to my my profile page and you can see the pictures, some of these pictures. For those who may already be part of the site, International Society for uh, Forest People, Tom Cantrell actually went out there with me uh, at one point, and I found a a rock a, a rock that had a face like a mouth engraved on it. I mean, I don't know what some of these people out here think about gifting, but it is real because it's been happening to me. Sleigh bell. I've been given two rock stacks, a sleigh bell that I had put in a certain pattern with some other food, had been taken and put behind the stump like something jammed its hand in there and made a ledge out of it. And hid it behind the stump. It was pretty funny, actually. I thought it was, I thought that was kind of cute. 
But <clears throat> that, that's that been happening to me. And my friend, uh, I've been kind of teaming up with Judy Feliski. Um, I'm not sure who knows her out there, but she's got a great dog, Thurston. And, you know, we've been visiting some places. Uh, we've gone out a couple, few times with Bob Shoup. Um, in Greenwater, which is a very interesting area, Greenwater, and her and I did a, uh, with Judy did a, um, night sit out there, I guess you could call it, when we went tracing out through the night, and she's got a great dog too, and, uh, we had something approach us, I'm not sure what it was, but something was out there, and we thought we'd heard a, a call of some type. In my area, I've heard some rock clacking, I've heard whistles, um, I, there was a pretty amazing structure that was just maybe 20 feet from the gifting stump. So I'm just doing what I can, you know. I, I've been trying to recover from this surgery, so I really haven't been able to do exactly what I want. But yeah. uh, Judy, no, I Judy and imagine. I have been out in, huh? I said I can imagine with back surgery, you know, having the blown disc, yeah, it would be tough. It's to... real depressing. It's really depressing because my heart, I want I to get imagine. out there and I want to do some stuff, and it's like you just, you cannot, you have to recover. And yeah. Um, and then now this other surgery, so uh, I have like another month of recovery time and then maybe in the spring. But uh, Judy and I have had some incidences uh, at a cabin that she has taken me to a couple of times this summer at Ocean Shores. And we went to Quinault National Forest and went through there, heard some interesting stuff and found some interesting stuff. And um, <clears throat> But then National Forest, you usually do. <laughs> what, what did you No matter hear? which one you're in. What what did you hear by chance? Um, what were the things you heard? Calls like howls, like um, little whoops, you know, here and there. And uh, her dog Thurston, you know, picked up on it right away. Uh, and we would look at each other like, oh, like did you hear that? And like, yeah, yeah, I heard that. You've lived out in the woods, so I mean, you know the different animal sounds. So I'd imagine you pick oh, up yeah. on it pretty quick. Oh yeah, yeah, like the like the howls in my the property that I was raised on, the one that I was talking about originally, and. And these howls I'd hear every night at, at, at sunset, it's like the whole family would hear it. We would just look at each other like, what is that? You know, what is that? That's not like any animal I've ever heard. So on the gifting, you called it a gifting stump. Do you ever get suspicious of maybe someone's messing with you? Maybe, um, I, I, and, I, and I say this respectfully, I think I'd be a little suspicious if like somebody left me a pile of rocks or somebody left me... I don't know. I mean, do you ever? Are you ever suspicious? Or have you ever, have you ever stop and think? You know, I I don't know. Maybe I guess I don't know how to ask the question. I guess I'd be a little bit suspicious of of uh, what goes through your mind when you when you leave something and then you come back and then there's a pile of rocks or there's something's been changed of the area. Is it? Well, the only reason. Yeah. No, I'm I'm on that train. I I I thought about that. I, I thought about that the the day that that happened. Um, there was nobody out there at all. And when I found the first one, the top rock, the top rock almost looked like it defied gravity. I don't know or defied physics. It, it, it should have fallen. I, I don't understand that. I, still to this day, I don't understand how that one rock could stay or be placed in a, some of these rocks were positioned where they should have fallen and they were so perfectly balanced that I was just amazed. I was absolutely amazed. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, of course. Of course I thought, you know, I wonder if somebody did this. Is it possible? Um, I'm sure it is possible. I know that other people have had 
the same thing happen after leaving food gifts and things like that. So um, they're supposed to be among some people um, say that there is quite a significance and that other people have been given these rock stacks and that it's, it's not uncommon actually that, that it has happened. I was left a I was left a a, a little stick like almost looked like a stick like structure on the stump that was jammed into the stump that kind of resembled a little fence. <laughs> I I still don't know what to think about that. So of course, you know, I mean you want to debunk everything. You don't want to just go running out there and going, Oh my gosh, look what we've given to me. I mean, of course, what, that's what, what did you it say appears. it resembled? It does appear, huh? What did you say it resembled? It resembled what now? It, it, it kind of resembled, it was like a, a, a an intricate little fence. Kind of looked like a little fence structure. That oh, I got had you. Been, yeah, little sticks, little sticks that had been jammed into the top of the stump and crossed over, you know, laced through, and it kind of looked like a little fence-like structure, and I thought, that's weird. Of course, you know, I'm not going to, it's, it's definitely possible. It's always possible that someone did that. Given as many encounters and situations that I've been through, you know, you, you sit around and you wonder, huh, is it possible? Did I just get given a gift? And then I've, I've, I've talked to other people who have also had the same thing happen to them in very, very remote areas where nobody was also. And that it was known Sasquatch. You know, um, it, it was in the, it was a Sasquatch area. No, and I I appreciate it, Becky. I was just kind of curious on on yeah. if that crossed your mind or. Um, sure it did. Sure it did. I, I'm. It's hard to you know relate to something like that until you've experienced it. I guess you know I haven't experienced that, but um, uh, that'd be one of the first things that goes through my mind. But you know, if you're out in an area where uh, no one knows about the stump, no one knows about the gifting stump, and uh-huh. you show up and there's. Your, your thing's gone and something else is there. You know, I I mean, I could see where you where you would go with that, where you would think, well, mm-hmm. it was, you know, especially if it happens repeated repetitively and over time, you know. And I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. I, I was just kind of say that another reason that I kind of accepted that that's a possibility is because of an area I lived in in Puyallup, lined by woods behind my house. Uh, I've seen them. I mean, I've literally they've allowed me to see them, and. Uh, uh, they would take ornaments, garden ornaments, out of my garden and give me rocks. <laughs> One time they threw a big chunk of wood at my house, and, and the whole place just vibrated. I mean, I'd just gotten home from work, and I thought, well, what is going on, you know? So, you know, I, I know that the give-and-take thing, you know, that they have the capability of, you know, like they took a, a really cool garden globe-like thing that I had, gave me a rock instead, you know? <laughs> But it was a pretty cool rock, actually. It almost looked like a petroglyph, almost like a it was a almost looked like a person had been engraved on it or something. It, it, it does. It actually looks like a a petroglyph of some sort. I've had I've had a couple of experiences after that that were just something that I could not explain. And you know, I have a hard time bringing up one of them because I don't want to come off as one of those people that you know what do they call the tin hat people or the you know <laughs> I don't want to the come what? off as this. You know, you hear these stories where people make fun of, of people when they talk about certain phenomenon or abilities of Sasquatches and other researchers or other people make fun of them saying, you know, oh, you wear a tin hat too? You know, I'm not one of those people. But when I moved so, to uh, this property. 
I was going to tell you, I'll tell you a crazy thing that happened to me and Woody, then hopefully you'll tell us ours. But if you're just going to go okay. ahead and tell us yours, then go ahead. Oh, I I had moved <laughs> to this property in Trollope. I had moved to this property in Trollope, and um, I knew that when I got there, I mean, I just, it was, it was the strangest feeling. I had this strange feeling come over me. And I don't know why. I don't know why, but I kept looking at the woods and I kept thinking, am I going crazy or is there something going on here? Because I keep, anyway, so I moved in. My, my son, my son had the first experience where he was leaving the house and something shook the tree beside the place and scared the living daylights and growled at him. He calls me from the neighbors and tells me, I'm not coming back there. I'm not coming back there. Something scared. I've never heard anything like that before. Okay. Well, then on a Saturday morning, um, something was tapping on the window, and I was still sleeping. It was early, early morning hours. It was just the crack of dawn. And I kept laying there thinking, what is tapping on my window? Is there a new neighbor or something? Somebody's in trouble, or, or what's going on? And it kept tapping. Well, by then, it's starting to get a little bit lighter. So I get up, and I go to the window. I go down, down the hallway to the living room, and I go to open up the drapes. I have no explanation for this. Uh, I'm standing there. I open up the curtains to see the back of a very large, very tall, black Sasquatch walking away from my window. And it just kind of vaporized. It kind of vaporized before my eyes. And I thought, I just sit there and shook my head like, what just happened? What just happened? And I never told anybody for a long time because I thought, this is ridiculous. I, I don't know what I did. I just saw what just happened. That same one, though, I saw twice more. And and he was solid in his body or whatever. I saw him. He let me see him. And uh, then I saw another one on that same property. And this one was pretending that it was trying to be part of the tree. And that blew my mind. That one right there blew my mind because it never dawned on me that perhaps this may be a way that they hide. I saw it literally <laughs> trying to pretend, putting its arms across the limbs and, you know, lit- pretending to be part of the tree <laughs> and I got so close to it I actually walked up to it because I couldn't I was leaving for work and I thought why does that tree look funny and I got out and I walked up there and I I literally backed up I backed up because I I thought why is it doing this and why am I so close I can get in the way so I left but I mean it just blew my mind I've had some pretty amazing experiences and I don't know yeah, I've heard that before that. I've heard that one before believe it or I not never I think you and I talked about that earlier, and uh, I've yeah. heard of a few encounters where the person who is recounting the encounter, they say that the Sasquatch kind of put its arms up and was still like a tree, almost like uh, it was trying to mimic a tree. Uh, mimic a tree. I mean, it stood there, and it was like – I forget one of the encounters that actually was in Washington as too as well. It happened to a logger. He was – walking up this road and he came upon one and it froze and kind of put its arms out and just kind of froze there. And his, the way he was recounting it is he was saying that it reminded him of someone like a little kid trying to act like a tree standing in the middle of the road. And it was like frozen and he didn't really understand what it was doing. He started walking towards it and then it took off. I've heard that a few times actually, believe it or not. Well, I, I never heard, I, I, when that happened to me, I've never heard anybody say that before. I never, but then as I was thinking about it one day, I thought, wow, Maybe this is a way, one of the ways that they hide in plain sight. Yeah, I mean the military and any, you know, any a form of stealth is actually not moving. I'm sure Will knows that from the military, but a form, the best form of stealth is actually don't move because well, our eyes will catch movement. Our eyes will actually. Uh, most hunters, 
most beginner hunters, the first thing they'll look for is movement. The best stealth out there is not to move. You know, not don't move, and you won't. Your eyes won't pick up on what you're seeing. It, this one was looking up, and it was in a frozen state. It was looking up, and it wouldn't blink. It wouldn't move. They just kept looking up, and I thought, I cannot even believe that I'm this close to this thing. I, I better back up because I just, I still did that. That was pretty amazing that I got that close to that thing and I didn't get attacked. You know, so that kind of, I was that that kind of freaked me out a little bit because I thought, wow, that thing was like maybe, I don't know. 40 feet from my house. I, I know that the four of us, we, we don't, we don't have to, um, we all know that there's a Sasquatch and we, we don't, no one has to prove anything to us, but what is, sure. what is your opinion as far as what is it going to take for the rest of the world to prove to them that there is a Sasquatch? Is it going to take a body? Is it going to take uh, DNA? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I, at this point in time, it seems to me from everything that I've, I've heard, that uh, not, I, I'm not even, you know, I don't believe in killing them. I'm sorry. I do not believe in killing them. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think it's wrong. Maybe I guess if they had one right in front of them, would they even still believe it then? That there would probably be a lot of naysayers then. I think that, you know, it really is going to take each and every person, you know, it's going to take people actually having their own encounters, seeing and experiencing the presence, and the sight of one of those, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, DNA, yeah, that helps. You know, DNA helps. But does it? You know, all these people coming forward and saying, hey, I got DNA, I can prove it. And look at the community. You know, there's still all these arguments and all these bickerings. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are pro-kill and they want to kill. I'm really sad for that. I wish that wouldn't happen. I, I'm sorry. I'm one of those people who don't believe in that. But... If one was to be recovered, I mean, okay, let me say what, this. What, what if it was a I'll mean Bigfoot? I think the government knows a lot. Huh? What, what if it was a mean Bigfoot? Would you be okay with that? If it was kind of a jerk? If, if, if one like, was shot, if one was shot and it was, it was on it and it was trying to kill a man and it had intent to kill and the man was defending itself, just like if somebody broke in my house and I had to defend myself, then what can you do? You're defending yourself. Yeah. You know, then but, then I guess then I guess what is is. But for somebody to just go out in the woods looking for one and just shoot it, you know, is just senseless to me. But that but what if, me what, event, what, what if they shot one that was kind of a jerk though? <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, I'm, just, I don't I'm know. sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. But, but well, why would it be well, you want, well, hey, why would Will, it, you want to take over here? There's <laughs> a lot of different directions with that. What, what this, if is it was where, this is where Will. This is where Will chimes in and cleans up your mouth, Wes. <laughs> what, what if it was protecting its young? What if it had babies right next to it? What if its mate was right behind of it? What if its family and clan was right there and it was responsible for protecting? I don't know. There could be different reasons why it was being a crank. You know, I just. Oh, I just wish that people wouldn't think of shooting one to prove its existence. I I would much rather people start stepping forward and, and, and telling the world, hey, by the way, I saw one. Or, you know, people coming forward and, and realizing, you know, I'm not to, I'm not out to prove it. I know they exist. Right, and that's like and the, the four of us and here, the military you know, none of the four of us have to prove that to anybody. Yeah. We all know because we've yeah, seen Yeah, the, mili- the military knows. The government and knows. Uh, and, during you know, Mount St. Helens, when Mount St. Helens blew up, they know. Actually, let me get let me clarify something on that. I was a key sergeant in in the unit that did the work in Mount St. Helens, and none were found there. 
And I oh, know that for a fact right? because well, I was story, there. So that story was incorrect? That's incorrect. That's baloney. That was I, oh. I know the person who made up that story and it's it's all crap. I was there oh, and okay. I knew all the pilots and and they knew what my hobby was at the time and they would have I would have been told, you know, behind the scenes. Becky, Becky, you're not alone on that because on a previous show I asked you that same question. Well, remember that because I heard the same right. rumor. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one that's floated around and, and there's some people in the community that you know keep pushing that and it's you know and I'm here to tell you I was I was there personally. I was well, I was a, I a sergeant with the Fifth Cavalry and I I know exactly what was going on there and there was nothing oh, like good. that found. Well, I stand I stand corrected. I stand corrected. I'm glad that you you told me that story, but now I know yeah. that it's behind it. You know, I mean and and you know a lot of the animals, you know, animals have a sense for things and we talked about this a couple of shows ago about, you know, sound infrasound and things like that. And animals know uh, like when a volcano is going to erupt, you know, the, the herds of elk, uh-huh. everything cleared out of that area. So uh-huh. uh, pretty much the only thing that was found dead up there were people. You know, the, that's interesting that you brought that part, that little thing up too, because uh, in the 1964 earthquake, everything quieted down around that property for like a month. We never heard a peep or nothing when that when that earthquake hit out here no. in 1964. Everything quieted down for about a month. Yeah, animals know that. They they hear that stuff, you know, and they're uh, they know when something is impending, you know, it's dangerous. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm, I'm glad you told me that. Yeah, so I mean, it's you know, that's something that people that get involved in the whole Bigfoot thing don't they don't think outside, you know, the boundaries of what they think they know. Um, you know, and I've done this for 41 years, and I'm still learning a lot of stuff. And I hear people that have been involved in this 20 years that think they're experts. And I just shake my head. You know, I shake my head and they think, you know, you guys don't know anything. And yeah, most of them, you know, they like call themselves experts have never even seen one. So, no, I'm, I'm far. I'm far from I, I an expert. I've just had raw experiences, and I share them with whoever wants to yeah, listen. I, and I am far from exactly, an expert. You know, none of us that have seen them think we're experts. We know we're not. No, absolutely not. Absolutely you not. Know, and, and 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 we're probably you know a hundred you know, times ahead of the experience curve than these other folks. And, you know, they, they really need to kind of have a little humility and and, and look at I agree. the bigger picture. I agree picture. completely. The thing about it, too, and, Becky, you could probably agree with me, and I'll, I'd like to have your opinion on it, too, is, Will, we've kind of talked a little bit about before on the previous shows and, and private conversations. And you take people that actually have had an encounter, they're probably some of the most critical people there are as far as making the assumption that it's a Sasquatch or Bigfoot right away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's some of the, some of the best, I don't know, what's the word? Critics? Would that be the good, the best word? Yeah. Skeptics, critics. As far as, uh, you know, what they saw, they try to rule out everything before saying automatically it's a Bigfoot, but you take people that actually, and I hate to say this, and I don't want to make anybody upset, but you take people that haven't had an encounter and they automatically assume everything is Bigfoot. Yeah, everything's Bigfoot. It shook our tent. We heard right. this, you know. We heard, right. you know, and and it's like, well, come on, you know. I mean, I I don't know, I don't know. I but, think when once you've seen one, you you have to second guess everything because partly it, it goes back to that shock, you know, and all of us know what that shock is, you know, seeing these things and it kind of, right. you know, shaking your whole frame of reference in life. So right. you sort of when you see something else, it's like, you know, is that what that is? You know, you start you start thinking a lot more about you know than just jumping to the conclusions. Oh, Bigfoot did that. 
you know, you make you make a decision based on everything you've seen instead of automatically making an assumption. I think is what it is. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I I totally agree with you. I think that of the ones that I've seen, um, most of them were up close to the point where I knew what they were, <laughs> and each time that it happened to me, I just I felt that shocking sensation go over me again, like realizing. Yeah, you don't get used to it. <laughs> my brain trying to take it in again and saying, you know, each time I was like, like shaking and like, did, did I just see again what I just thought I saw? Is that what, you know, I, you know, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go again. You know, because if, when you're so close, there's no mistaking what you're seeing. I, I saw seeing, one again in 1988 that had exactly the same feeling. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a shock. It's a, I don't know. You just it shakes. shocks your whole I system. Yeah. It kind of shakes your framework, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 an interesting thing. I'm I'm cautious when I go out in the woods because I do feel like there possibly may be more than one type and I think they are individual and I think they that there some are very aggressive and some that are not quite just so aggressive and I think a lot of right. people just run go go running out in the woods thinking, Oh, they all love it they all love us. They well, think they're Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I and jokingly it, tell and people, it, you know, that they go running out thinking they're Harry and the Hendersons and they're setting themselves up to be a meal. You know, and that's yeah. that's that's just a, a bulk joke, you know. But yeah. if you go running out there, I mean, it's not just the Sasquatch or or the other species. There's bear, there's cougar, there's everything else. You can't that's just right. run out like an idiot and think you're going to grab one by the by the butt hairs, you know, and drag them in. You better better have your wits about you and and have a little use a little brain power. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. Whether it's you know getting lost or getting hurt out there or you know running into an animal that. Is you know a bear or cougar or something that's not exactly friendly. Um, you know, oh, I or, agree with you. I totally or agree with you. Or Sasquatch that's ill-tempered. I mean, you just don't know. I, I I think I would rather run into a cranky Sasquatch, I think, than a cougar. I I I'm I agree. really apprehensive about that one. I mean, that one's dangerous. Real. And especially real today, there's so many more of them around. Yeah, and now uh, I ha- I do have one more. Um, thing that I'm going to follow up with, I'm going to tell you about it. It is in Pierce County also. There's a woman who's having an experience uh, on her property. It's been going on for a while, and but she shot at one. She shot at one, and she wants me to come out on the property, and I'm like, huh, you know, I don't know how I feel about it after she shot at one, you know? If, if well, what that could she be saw, a very dangerous situation. Yeah, it, if she's already shot at one, a lot of times they're real aggressive once they've been shot at, and she wants me to come out you know, uh, and check this out. And I, I'm sitting here thinking about this, and I'm like, hmm, do I really want to go? It might not what do I got to have on my thing. hands? Yeah, exactly. Right. But it, it's caught my interest. I mean, I'm interested, but I'm not willing to end up in the hospital either over it. Exactly. Sounds like you may need some backup. I think I think Wes and I will be uh, the perfect candidates for that. <laughs> Let's go check it out. Well, yeah, well, I'll call you up. If I can get a hold of this girl, she's willing to do that. Hey, I'm all for it because I don't really yeah. want to go out there by myself. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, now, now you got some help. We'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I, I'll contact her and um, and see what she's doing. I'll get a hold of you guys. Yeah, and if you're ever down here, Becky, we'll take you up to Muppet uh, Mountain. We'll show you. Uh, we'll show you show you the area that we were. Or we ran into it. We call it Muffin Mountain, but it's it's Jackholt Mountain. I appreciate you guys uh, uh, that offer. I would love to go. Yeah, we'll show you pictures yeah, of the footprints we got. 
We got lots of footprints. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I- I'd love to go. That's great. Yeah. They're not real nice up there, though. They're kind of jerks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but I'm with you guys. <laughs> you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. That's, but, that's well, hey guys, hey, I think we're I think we're just about out of time. We got about a minute and a half left here. Uh, okay. Rebecca, I wanted to thank you for being on the show tonight, and uh, oh, you know, you're so welcome. A, it takes a lot of nerve to come out and and voice your opinion and tell your story. You know, from I'm sure Wes and Will will also agree. We really appreciate being on the show. We need more people well, like you out there to come out and you know to speak your mind and, and uh, explain what's going on. And what's happening in your life? So we we really appreciate that. We really do. Well, I just if it'll help anybody out there, I'm not interested in fame. I'm not interested in money. I don't care about, you know. I I prefer not to be, you know. If, you're, if somebody's going to criticize me, please keep it to yourself. But, you know, I what I say is speak is the truth. What has happened to me is the truth. And if it'll help anybody out there, you know, try to deal with something that is going on in their life, you know, then then that's awesome. Well, we sure appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome, and thanks for having me.